This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. Hi, my name is Dr. Lou Diaz, pastor of Butte Bible Fellowship located at 2255 Pillsbury Road in Chico. And I'm providing inspirational teaching for you from God's Word each week. Listen to my weekly radio program, Encouraging Words with Dr. Lou Diaz, at 10 a.m. on Saturday or 10 a.m. on Sunday. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Praise the Lord. Today's message is entitled, Spiritual Empowerment. Spiritual Empowerment. Let me ask in review of our previous messages, first of all, how do you view God? How do you view God? The answer to that, hopefully, will be the theme verse of Romans chapter 8, which is, since God is for us, who can be against us? In other words, God is for you. Is that your view of God? God is not against you. He is not disapproving of you. He is not punishing you. He is not abandoning you. He is not criticizing you. No, God is on your side. God loves you with an everlasting love. God will never leave you nor forsake you. He believes in you. He's uh, strengthening you. He's giving you what you need. He answers prayer. He guides you through his word. And he has been your faithful provider and protector all these years. God is for you. Do you believe that? You matter to God. The second question we've asked in this series is, how do you view yourself? In other words, what is your view of yourself in Christ? I hope it is Romans 8, 37, that you're more than a conqueror through Christ who loves you and gave himself for you. The translation of the Greek words that we have more than a conqueror actually means this. You are greater conquerors, superior conquerors, higher and better conquerors. You are more than a match for any foe. You are utmost conquerors, permanent conquerors, top-notch conquerors, unsurpassed conquerors, unequaled and unrivaled conquerors. I call you, the Bible calls you, super conquerors in Christ. That's who you are. That's what the Bible says about you who are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And last week we were able to affirm together on the basis of Christ's cross, I am totally forgiven. I have received God's gift and I am free to become all God wants me to be. We affirmed my sins have been forgiven, past, present, and future, because Christ took my place on the cross, so I now have his righteousness and no condemnation. These are the truths of God's word. Well, today I have a third question. The first was, how do you view God? The second is, how do you view yourself? The third question is, how do you view sin? How do you view sin? We all struggle with sin. Sin is disobedience to God's word. Sin is missing the mark of God's holiness. 
And we all have sinned, and we all have fallen short of the glory of God. But the point is that once you receive Christ, is sin completely eradicated from you? Is there any Christian here who would like to stand and say, I am sinlessly, I am sinlessly perfect. I, do never, I never sin. I think we all struggle with sin. And we all could relate with the Apostle Paul who says, I do the things I don't want to do, and I don't do the things I want to do. We struggle, don't we, with sin. But here's a bad theology. Bad theology teaches Jesus came only to forgive my sins, not to make me holy. In other words, I have an uh, assurance policy for eternity but it's any time I sin, it's okay. I'm forgiven. It's all grace. You could say that their motto would be this. Their motto would be, saved by grace, O blessed condition, I can sin all I want and still have remission. That would be their attitude. In other words, the point is that many see Jesus as Savior, but they don't see him as Lord. Jesus then saved you just to forgive your sins and say, live any way you want. Jesus saved you to shape you into the image of himself. You're called the holiness. And anything less than that is cheap grace. Cheap grace. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says, Cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance, baptism without church discipline, communion without confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship, grace without the cross, grace without Jesus Christ living and incarnate. And we stand against the lie of bad theology. We stand against this false view of the Christian life. It's not just a forgiveness eternity policy. It's a call of obedience in a long direction of holiness. And so with that in mind, I'd like to point out what good theology is that's covered here in Romans chapter 8. Three big words, theological words, that talk about the three tenses, past, present, and future, of salvation. Those big words are justification, sanctification, and glorification. When you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have been saved, past tense, from the penalty of sin. By trusting in Jesus Christ, you're forgiven of all your sins, and you face an eternity in heaven, not in hell. You are forgiven. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus our Lord. But it doesn't stop there. It goes from justification to sanctification. Right now, you're in the process of being sanctified, of being made holy, of being conformed to the image of Christ. So you have been saved from sin's penalty, and you are right now being saved from sin's power. And one day will be glorification, where you will be saved from sin's presence altogether. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. We'll sing and we'll shout the victory because we'll be free 
from the presence of sin altogether in heaven. That's the three tenses of salvation. The past, we've been saved from the penalty. The present, right now, we're being saved from the power of sin. And the future, we will be saved completely from the presence of sin altogether. If you have a Bible, you can turn here. But let me just read this one verse to you that is so powerful about right now in your life. It's in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14. And it simply says this, For by one sacrifice, the sacrifice of Christ on the cross, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Now let me just stop there and again talk about good theology. Good theology teaches that if you've trusted in Jesus Christ, you are positionally righteous before a holy God. You have the righteousness of Jesus Christ. As far as God is concerned, when he looks at you, he sees the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ himself. You're positionally righteous, but you're in the process of being made holy, which is practical righteousness. So we have positional righteousness, a right standing with God uh, through faith in Jesus Christ, but we are in the process of being made holy. We're growing in practical righteousness. Does that make sense? Let's then look at the word that we're focusing on today. Romans 8, 12 and 13. Romans 8, 12 and 13. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for these important truths that bless our hearts of the fact that you are for us, the fact that we are super conquerors in Christ, and the fact that sin is not just something that has been forgiven, but sin is something that you help us to overcome its power in this lifetime, progressively growing in holiness, until we shall see the Lord Jesus and be like him. So teach us more of what this means, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. How can I summarize Romans 8, 1 and 2 in two words? It would be this. You're forgiven and free. Just say that to yourself. I'm forgiven and free. If you've trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're forgiven of all your sins, and you are free from the law of sin and death. You see, the law of sin and death used to, like a tyrant, tell you what to do. And whatever the tyrant told you what to do, you had to obey. Jump! And you'd say, how high? Because you had to obey. Now, once you come to Christ, you're set free from the law of sin and death. And when the tyrant of sin says, jump, you say, I don't have to. Isn't that great? I used to be frightened of dogs. 
Anytime a dog was barking, I would be shaking in my boots. As a little kid, I'd have to go past this yard and this dog would be barking and growling and I thought it'd be chewing me into little pieces and I would run as fast as I could. One day, I found out the dog was on a chain and I thought, well, now that changes things, doesn't it? Because now that dog can bark and snarl and uh, gnash its teeth and come chasing me. And I'm standing there on the sidewalk and it comes running and then it's yanked back by its chain. It can't get me because it's on a chain. And boy, suddenly I had a, a freedom and a courage and a boldness I didn't have before. And you see, Jesus Christ died on the cross to set you free from the tyranny of sin's power over you. Before, you were a hopeless slave of sin, but now you've been set free. Therefore, and we always ask what the therefore is there for, we looked back at Romans 8, 1 and 2, and verses uh, 3 through 11, to see that the therefore emphasizes that we are to set our mind on the truth that we've been set free. We're to set our mind on the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, verse 5 says, Those who live according to the flesh have their mind set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mind set on what the Spirit desires. And so that's the key here, that we are in the spirit of the, in the realm of the Spirit, and we're setting our minds on the Spirit. Therefore, we're heading towards what the Holy Spirit desires. What do you think the Holy Spirit desires? Holiness. Holy Spirit. So when we set our minds on the Holy Spirit, we grow in holiness, and we decrease in submitting to the tyranny of the sin principle within us. We are forgiven and free to choose. It says in Romans 6, verse 16, don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness? In other words, before you receive Christ, you had no choice. You were a sin to slay, a slave to sin. But when you received Christ, you now can follow righteousness. You're set free to become all God wants you to be, to be conformed to the image of Christ, which is to know wholeness and holiness and joy and peace and love. Don't you want that? Well, you're free to enjoy that and to go in that direction. But unfortunately, you're also free to fall back. And this is something God has laid on my heart, that many Christians, instead of setting their minds on the Spirit, instead of growing in holiness, they set their minds on the flesh, and they lose their freedom. I can't tell you how many people said, oh yeah, I received Christ as a little kid, and then as a teenager or a college student, I went away from the Lord, and boy, do I have regrets. 30 years, 40 years of living on my own. And then finally, I came back to Christ. 
I wish I hadn't wasted those years. I wish I hadn't given up my freedom. Unfortunately, that's a choice too many Christians make. And let's talk about that. You're forgiven and free to choose, but you're also forgiven and free to lose. Can I be honest with you? You are a free moral agent. God did not make you as a robot, forcing you and twisting your arm that you have to obey him. He's given you the power of choice. You decide whether you want to follow him or follow the flesh. You decide. We have an obligation. We should be following after the Spirit because we're so grateful we've been saved. But can you believe it? There's times when we go after the flesh. So it says in Romans 6, 20-21, when you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness, but what benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. Let me talk to you about the allure and deceitfulness of sin. Why is sin so attractive? Why is it like that wonderful, delicious candy on the outside, but when it gets into your belly, it makes you have a sour stomach? Why is sin like that? Let me tell you, it celebrates you. Don't you want to do something bad because it says it's all about you, you, you? We live in a self-centered society and everyone wants to be celebrated and on center stage. Uh, sin comforts you. I do it because I feel badly for myself. I deserve a break. And we fall into sin. It completes me. We think it does. We say, if I do this, then I'll have wisdom and knowledge like God. I'll be more spiritual or insightful than other people. No, it, that, that's a false promise. It charges me. In other words, I'm... My adrenaline gets running when I do sin. Uh, it it uh, crowns me. Um, that is, it makes me king or queen. It creates me. It makes me my new self. It connects me to other sinners. And it conceals me. It hides the hurting parts I don't want other people to see. But look at the downside of sin. It corrodes me. Every time I yield to the flesh... It is causing me to be less than who God wants me to be. It's corroding me. Sin costs me. It costs me my freedom in Christ. It costs me close fellowship with the Lord. It costs me the joy of my salvation. I don't want to go to the way of the flesh. It costs me. And I'm going to add it here, it controls me. When you give in to sin a little bit and you enjoy it for a moment, then it gets where it, you're obligated to sin and it controls you and it condemns you. So this is the allure and deceitfulness of sin. Let me put it to you this way. Let's say you were a prisoner in the enemy's POW camp and the evil POW camp warden and his prison guards ordered you around and you were obligated to do whatever they told you to do. One day you see something you've never seen before. You see an opening in the prison wall. It's the only opening in the prison wall and someone's waving for you to come over to him and you walk through it 
and your rescuer takes you to a special place to wash you up and put on new clothes. You're totally clean, and you realize the rescuer gave you his very own clothes to wear. You're deeply grateful. Your rescuer introduces you to other former POWs who are rescued and cleaned up and clothed. Then a representative from the former POW camp goes through the camp of rescued POWs, and he makes promises of freedom, riches, pleasures, and many other benefits for all those who will come back. And some of the rescued former POWs, can you believe it? Some of the former rescued POWs go back with him. At first, their experience is as if they were part of a special club where there's fun and eating and social pleasures, but the club eventually becomes the old POW camp where they used to be. They were once set free, but they went back into being prisoners of the enemy who's ordering them around like he used to, and they are now in miserable bondage and slavishly doing what they are told. Paul had to say, you foolish Galatians, how is it that you started with the Spirit and now you're continuing with the flesh? How is it that someone um, hoodwinked you, someone tripped you up and took you captive? Don't go back. Remember the prodigal son? He decided to go the way of the flesh. And when he hit rock bottom after spending all of his money on pleasures, it says he came to his senses. He realized, this isn't God's will for me. This isn't what God wants. And he says, if only I went back to my father's house, I wouldn't be eating pig's food. I'd be eating better because he feeds his servants. Well, I'll go back and be a servant. He went back and his father saw him from afar off and he ran to him. It was indignant and indecent and totally improper for a man of his status to run. But because he loved his son, he ran to his son to receive him back. When God the Father sees you, come to your senses and say, the way of sin is a waste. And that's what prodigal means. The prodigal son, the wasteful son. Living the way of the flesh is a waste. Backsliding and going away from the Lord, you don't experience God's will and God's love and God's peace and God's joy. You're miserable. And God's calling you back home with open arms. Will you come home, prodigal? Will you come home? Will you return to the Lord? The final point is this. Because you are forgiven and free to choose, and you may, in your forgiveness and freedom, choose to follow after the flesh, know that the best choice is to be forgiven and free to refuse the flesh, to say no to sin and ungodliness. And how do we do that? It says in Romans 8.13, but if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. And it says in Romans 6, verse 19, just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness leading to holiness. When we surrender to the power of the Holy Spirit, he enables us to say no to sin. You are more than a conqueror. 
A guy said to me, I've given up on confessing my sin because I know I, uh, before God I have no intention on changing. I don't want to give up my sin. There was a guy who did exactly what I did earlier in this sermon. He got his words mixed up, which is called a spoonerism because there was a pastor in England who used to do it all the time named Spooner, and so they named this mixing up of words after him a spoonerism. And so this guy came up and he said to the pastor, Pastor, my sin is full of life. He meant to say, my life is full of sin. But I think he got it right the first time. My sin is full of life. If your sin is full of life, then you don't want to repent. But if you see that it's enslaving you, it's putting you in bondage, it's self-destructive, it's not leading in the right direction, then you want to do this. You want to focus on the cross. As I've been meditating and preparing for this message, the Lord gave me this because I was focusing on something else, and then here it was. The cross. Take the letters C-R-O-S-S, and here's how you put to death sin by the power of the Holy Spirit. Number one, you have to confess your sin. You have to call sin, sin. You're never going to overcome sin if you don't identify it as sin. Confessing means I agree with God. Yep, that's sin. I agree with you, God. That's sin. Confess your sin. Second, repent of your sin. Repent means to turn 180 degrees. You turn from your sin and you turn to the Lord. Lord, I agree this is sin. I turn from it and I turn to you by the power of the Holy Spirit I want to refuse going in the direction of that sin. Third, you obey the Lord. You start following what he wants you to do. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, the blood of Christ continually cleanses us from all sin. Walk in obedience. Walk in the light. And the sinful nature, the sin's of the sinful nature will fall to the ground because they can't stand the light. They're like cockroaches. As soon as the light comes on, they go running. That was gross, but you'll never forget it. And then surrender. You've got to surrender your life to the Holy Spirit, but specifically the sin area. So if you struggle with worry as a sin, you're constantly worrying, you're constantly doubting the trustworthiness of God. Then you say, Holy Spirit, fill me in this specific area about my worry so that I can start trusting you instead of worrying. Do you see how that works? Invite the Holy Spirit into that specific area of your sin struggle. And then finally, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Keep on seeking the kingdom of God and growing in the righteousness of Christ that's already yours, but you're making it practically yours, realistically, experientially yours. We're going to go now into a time of Selah. Selah means reflection. And um, which of these best describes you? Are you forgiven and free and you're choosing righteousness? Are you forgiven and free, but you've fallen away from the righteous path like a prodigal and you need to come home? Are you refusing sinful desires? 
you're dead to sin. You know what dead means? Dead means unresponsive. If we had a dead body here and we poked it, it wouldn't say, ouch. It's unresponsive. So to be dead to sin means you're not responsive to sin. So when sin says jump, instead of saying how high, what do you say? I don't have to. You're unresponsive to sin. You've unplugged sin's buttons and hold on you. So during the Selah time, as Marion Compton sings, Take My Life and Let It Be, and Vera Mae plays on the organ, look at these things you could pray about. You could ask Jesus to forgive you and to set you free to become whole and holy. You can offer yourself to the Holy Spirit to fill and empower you over sin. You can choose to become an unresponsive to a sin area in your life by the Spirit. Do you need encouragement? I want to share my spiritual gift of encouragement with you. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521 to find out how you can connect with our weekly worship services and faith-building messages from God's Word.